0: The anthropologist Anna Tsing sets a tone for this exhibition. Her book, The Mushroom at the End of the World, is an account, or more accurately, many accounts of the multi-species communities that grow up around the industry of the matsutake mushroom, which is the most financially valuable mushroom in the world. Tsing describes how these multi-species communities or ecologies make worlds. The ability to make the world is something which we might conventionally assign to humans, and the most powerful ones at that, Tsing Tate's issue with this. Here's what she says. Making worlds is not limited to humans. We know that beavers reshape streams as they make dams, canals and lodges. In fact, all organisms make ecological living spaces, altering air, water and earth. Without the ability to make workable living arrangements, species would die out. In the process, each organism changes everyone's world. Bacteria make our oxygen atmosphere, and plants help to maintain it. Plants live on land because fungi made soil by digesting rocks. As these examples suggest, world-making projects can overlap, allowing room for more than one species. Humans, too, have always been involved in multi-species world-making. Fire was a tool for early humans, not just to cook, but also to burn the landscape, encouraging edible bulbs and grasses that attracted animals for hunting. Humans shape multi-species worlds when our living arrangements make room for other species. The questions of how the varied species in a species' assemblage influence each other, if at all, is never settled. Some thwart or eat each other. Others work together to make life possible. Still others just happen to find themselves in the same place. Assemblages are open-ended gatherings. Singh creates a sense that every space on the planet is an ecosystem full of different species, living very different ways, some connected, others more distant. It makes me think about the ways in which a home or an art gallery might be seen as an ecosystem, as well as a nature reserve or a forest. Singh writes about how something made sense to her when she first heard a kind of music known as polyphony. It's an old, weird, medieval form, madrigals and fugues, music without melody or unified rhythm. When I first learned polyphony, she writes, it was a revelation in listening. I was forced to pick out separate, simultaneous melodies and to listen for the moment of harmony and dissonance they created together. This kind of noticing is just what is needed to appreciate the multiple temporal rhythms and trajectories of the assemblage. The image of polyphony is a good one for this exhibition. There is no unifying tune, but there are many interesting, if sometimes dissonant, melodies that emerge in its ecosystem. The idea of becoming animal, the convergent histories of colonialism and the exploitation of nature, and the way technology and animals blend in post-species cyborgs. There are different scales and timeframes, and these ways of being diverge and converge to make sense, or nonsense, of one another. Every living thing, writes Tsing, makes the world through seasonal pulses of growth, lifetime reproductive patterns, and geographies of expansion. Within a given species, too, there are multiple time-making projects, as organisms enlist each other, and coordinate in making landscapes.